Well, hey there, it's Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. Now, over the last couple of episodes, we've been exploring how we can face the darkness in our world and in our own lives by taking a closer look at how the people of Israel came out of the darkness of their slavery in Egypt. Well, in this week's episode, we're going to continue along that path, and we're going to talk about one more thing that we can do to face the darkness in our world. And specifically, we're going to think about how God and how Pharaoh approached the darkness that the people of Israel were facing. So let's get right into this week's sermon. I want to start out this morning by inviting you to play a little bit of a game with me this morning, okay? And I like to call the game that I'm going to invite you to play with me, Love It or Hate It. Now, I know that we're in church, so we all know that we're not supposed to hate anybody. So let me put your mind at ease. I'm not going to be asking you how you feel about a particular person or anything along those lines. Instead, I'm going to be asking you how it is that you feel about certain foods. Because we all know that there are certain foods that have absolutely no middle ground. There are foods that people either love or they simply hate. So in just a second, we're going to start putting some pictures up on the screen behind me of some of the most polarizing foods that there are. And then I'm going to ask you to raise your hand to let us know if you love that particular food or if you hate that particular food. All right? Understand? Okay, well, let's get started, and we'll get started with one of the most polarizing foods that there is. Black licorice. All right, black licorice. Don't put your hands up yet. I haven't asked the question yet. Come on. Because I got to tell you, I'll go first, all right? I'm the kind of guy that when I get down to the bottom of a bag of jelly beans and there's only black licorice flavored ones left, I'm just going to throw the bag away because I don't like black licorice, okay? But that's just me. So by show of hands, how many of you love black licorice? Okay, and how many of you hate black licorice? Like I said, one of the most polarizing foods there is. People love it or people hate it, all right? Let's move on to the next one, and the next one up is blue cheese. Now, I don't even want to look at that picture, because just looking at that picture on the screen is enough to make my stomach start to churn, okay? There's just something about the smell and the texture of blue cheese that makes me a little bit nauseous, okay? But again, this isn't about me. This is about you guys. So by show of hands, how many of you love blue cheese? And how many of you hate blue cheese? All right. Not too surprising. Again, these are all polarizing foods. Okay, let's keep going. We'll move on to the next one. And the next one we're going to talk about divides up the shell household, okay? And that next food is marshmallow peeps, all right? How many of you love marshmallow peeps? (laughs) Amen. I'm with you. I'm with you. If your hand is up right now, you are on Team Adam and Hannah at our house. So, I like to call you people right, all right? Now, how many of you hate marshmallow peeps? All right, you guys are on the same side as my wife, Ashley. Um, she, let, she tolerates Hannah and I having peeps in the house for a couple of weeks each Easter. And, yeah, I like to call you wrong, so it's just how it goes. 
All right, well, we just talked about the quintessential Easter candy, so it only seems right that our next food has become synonymous with Halloween. So tell me, how do you feel about candy corn? Okay, how many of you love candy corn? Okay, now we know who the sugar addicts are in our church, because candy corn is nothing but sugar, okay? And how many of you hate candy corn? Now, I'll tell you, I have a love-hate relationship with it. Sometimes I like it, sometimes I don't, but it's just how it goes. All right, I've got one more picture that I want to show you this morning, and personally, I think I have saved the best one for last. But this time, I'm not going to be asking you about a specific food. This time, I'm going to ask you about an entire restaurant, and just by saying that, some of you might be smart enough to start guessing what picture's coming up on the screen next. So tell me, how do you feel about White Castle? All right. <laughs> All right. How many of you guys love those little square hamburgers and the crinkle cut fries? How many of you are sick and you just smell it right now? Don't want anything to do with White Castle. All right. Fair enough, fair enough. Okay, well, that's my last picture that I had to show this morning, and I want to just thank you for playing the game with me. But now I want to take some time to explain to you why we played this game to begin with. So over the last couple of weeks here at Melbourne Heights, we have been working our way through the book of Exodus together. And I've told you since the very first week of this series that Exodus is about Israel's journey out of the darkness. The book of Exodus is about Israel's journey out of darkness. So as we read through this book together, we can learn how we can face and we can overcome the darkness in our world and in our lives today. And we can do that by seeing how the people of Israel came out of the darkness of 400 years of slavery in Egypt. And in the scripture that we're going to be reading this morning, we're going to see that there are essentially two ways that we can respond to the darkness in our world. There are two ways that we can approach the darkness in our lives. And they're just like the way that you feel about black licorice or White Castle. There's no middle ground on them. So if you will, go ahead and grab your Bible with me and turn to the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 4. And I want to show you what these two responses to the darkness in our world and in our lives is. And as you're finding it, let me just remind you that at this point in the story, the people of Israel have already been enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. And in the first couple of verses that we're going to read together this morning, I want you to pay attention to how God responds to this darkness. So Exodus chapter 4, we're going to start reading together in verse 29. Exodus 4:29. this is what it says. Then Moses and Aaron called together all the Israelite elders. Aaron told them everything that the Lord had told Moses, and he performed the signs in front of the people that God had told them to perform. And the people believed. When they heard that the Lord had paid attention to the Israelites and had seen their oppression, they bowed down and they worshipped. So did you hear? Did you hear how God responded to the darkness of the Israelite slavery. We're told that God saw the Israelites' misery and that God was concerned with them. God saw the people of Israel's misery and God was concerned about them. That's actually why this 
Scripture started the way that it did, with Moses and Aaron returning to Egypt. Because up to this point, Moses had been away from Egypt. He had been tending his father-in-law's flocks in the area of Midian. But God saw the Israelites' misery, so God sent Moses. God called Moses, and he sent him back to Egypt so that Moses could free the people of Israel from their slavery. And God told Moses what he needed to say. God told Moses what he needed to do. God told Moses what he needed to to show the people of Israel to prove that God had sent him. God saw their misery and was so concerned with them. That's the first response. We can see the darkness in our world and we can, can be concerned about it. We can see the misery and want to respond But that's not the only way to respond to darkness in our world. So as we keep reading in Exodus chapter 5, we're going to see how the Pharaoh responds to the darkness that the Israelites are facing. So then we'll pick up in Exodus chapter 5, verse 1. Here's what it says. Afterward, Moses and Aaron, they went to Pharaoh and they said, This is what the Lord, Israel's God, says. He says, Let my people go so that they can hold a festival for me in the desert. But Pharaoh said, Who is this Lord whom I'm supposed to obey by letting Israel go? I don't know this Lord, and I certainly won't let Israel go. Then they said, The Hebrews' God has appeared to us. Let us us go so that we can go on a three-day journey into the desert so that we can offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. Otherwise, the Lord will give us a deadly disease or violence. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why are you making the people making your people slack off from their work. Do the hard work yourselves. Pharaoh continued, The land's people are now numerous, yet you want them to stop their hard work. So on the very same day that Pharaoh Pharaoh commanded the people's slave masters and their supervisors, telling them, Don't supply the people of Israel with straw that they need to make the bricks like you did before. Let them go out, let them gather the straw up for themselves, but still make sure that they produce the same number of bricks that they made before. Don't reduce the number. They're weak and they're lazy. That's why they cry, let's go and offer sacrifices to God. Make the men's work so hard that it's all that they can do, and they can't focus on these empty lies. So did you hear how Pharaoh responded to the darkness that the people of Israel were facing? Moses and Aaron, they go to Pharaoh and they ask the Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go. Go out into the wilderness so that they can worship God there. And how does the Pharaoh respond to this request? What does the Pharaoh say? He says, I will not let the people go. And then the Pharaoh doesn't stop there. Not only is he going to refuse to let the people of Israel go, but since Moses and Aaron had the nerve to come and ask the Pharaoh to do something about the darkness that the people of Israel were facing, the Pharaoh decides that he needs to make things even worse on the people of Israel. Now remember, the people of Israel, they've been enslaved for 400 years. And for 400 years, the pharaohs of Egypt have used the Israelites to build cities and storehouses and who knows what else, all under threat of violence. So it's not exactly like the Israelites had an easy life to begin with. But Pharaoh decides that he is going to make things even worse for them by increasing the Israelites' workload, making it harder for them to get their job done. So in this passage... In Exodus, we're told that the Pharaoh, we're told that the Pharaoh has been forcing the Israelites to make a certain number of bricks each day. 
which I got to tell you, that doesn't sound like my idea of a fun job to begin with. But at least the Pharaoh has been supplying the Israelites with all of the material that they need to make these bricks. But all of that changes in this passage. In this passage, the Pharaoh gets upset, and he decides that he is going to take away the straw that the people of Israel needed to make these bricks, and that he was going to send the people of Israel out to gather their own straw instead of providing it for them. And just in case you're unaware of this, the straw would have been the binding agent that held the bricks together. So this would have been the thing that was important to have inside of the mud or the dirt or the clay so that it would all cling together, it would all stick so that the bricks would hold up. But now the Israelites, instead of just showing up where they needed to work, where the straw and the mud or the clay or the dirt were all waiting for them, now they have to go out into the fields. They have to harvest and reap their own straw, but they are still expected to make the same number of bricks every single day. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear and read the story of how the Pharaoh reacts to the darkness that the people of Israel are facing, by deciding that not only is he not going to let the people of Israel go, but he is going to make their everyday life more miserable than before, I can't help but wonder why. Why did the Pharaoh react the way that he does in the story? Why did the Pharaoh have to make things harder than they already were on the people of Israel? Well, if you keep reading in the book of Exodus, I think you find out why. So turn over with me to Exodus chapter 7. But before we start reading this passage, I want to set the stage for you a little bit more. So as this passage begins, God has sent Moses and he has sent Aaron to go back to the Pharaoh another time. But this time God tells Moses and he tells Aaron that he is going to have them perform miraculous signs before the Pharaoh so that he can start, so that God can prove how powerful he is to the king of Egypt. And we're going to pick up in this passage in Exodus chapter 7 when Aaron has just performed one of these signs. So Exodus chapter 7, we're going to read verse, start reading in verse 10. Here's what it says. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron threw down his shepherd's rod in front of the Pharaoh and his officials, and it turned into a cobra. And then Pharaoh called together his wise men and his wizards and Egypt's religious experts, and they did the same thing using their own secret knowledge. Each one threw down his rod, and they turned into cobras. But then Aaron's rod swallowed up each of their rods. Now listen to the next part, because this tells us why Pharaoh responded the way that he did. However, Pharaoh remained stubborn. He remained hard-hearted. He wouldn't listen to them, just as the Lord had said. So the Pharaoh reacts the way that he does to the darkness that the people of Israel have been facing and living through for centuries because his heart has been hardened to the darkness. But God reacts the way that God does in this story. God reacts the way that God does to the darkness that the people of Israel are facing because God's heart has been broken by the darkness. Those are the two ways that we can react to the darkness in our world and in our lives. We can have our hearts hardened to the darkness or we can have our hearts 
broken by the darkness. We can have our hearts hardened to the darkness, or we can have our hearts broken by the darkness. And I've got to tell you, there are times when it's easy to have your hearts hardened by all of the darkness in this world. There are. There are times when it's easy to just stop caring about all of the darkness in our world because there just seems to be so much of it. When, a, when, when there seems to be another tragedy that pops up every single day, it's easy to have your heart hardened by this darkness, to just start going numb to it all, to just quit caring about the problems that this world has. And I've got to tell you, I found myself feeling that way just last weekend when the news began to break about the mass shooting that had happened in Midland and Odessa, Texas. Now, this shooting, which was at least the third mass shooting in the month of August, killed seven innocent people, it injured 25 others, including three police officers and a 17-month-old baby. And at first, when I saw this news starting to break, I was just numb to it. I was just numb to it. Too many of these stories have happened, and I was just numb to the darkness of this event. My heart was starting to feel hardened by it all. But something changed a little bit later on when I heard another part of the story. And this part of the story took place a few hours after the deadly shooting in Midland and Odessa, Texas, at a Chick-fil-A that was close by where these tragic events unfolded. Now the manager of that Chick-fil-A explained exactly what happened in a Facebook post, and we're going to put that post up on the screen, but I'll read it in case you can't from where you're sitting. The manager wrote, absolutely blown away by this amazing team of people. After heartbreaking events in our community today, we plan to close our store early and send our team home so that they could be with their families. As they were walking out of the restaurant, an opportunity to feed local law enforcement presented itself, and they were given the option to help. Not one person said no. Partnering with another Chick-fil-A at Odessa Town Center, they cooked 500 sandwiches, they packaged them, with the most joyful hearts and a lot of love. The next line's my favorite. Sometimes light in a dark world looks as simple as a hot chicken sandwich. We just couldn't be prouder of these helpers and their hearts of gold. Grateful is not an adequate word to express how we feel about all of our brave first responders, for they are the true heroes. We're praying for our community in the days ahead and for all of those impacted by this tragedy. The employees of this restaurant were people who lived and people who worked within a few miles of where this deadly shooting took place. And they could have had their hearts hardened by it. They could have simply wanted to go home, to get away from the, from the vicinity of where this deadly event unfolded. They could have quit caring. They could have felt numb to it all. But instead, they had their hearts broken by this violence that rocked their community. And they went above and beyond the call of duty to do just that, to do what they could, to shine just a little bit of light into the darkness in this world. We need to do that same thing. 
we need to act that same way. When we face the darkness in our world, we need to be like these employees at a restaurant. Because, yeah, it's easy to turn on the TV, to pick up the newspaper, to open up your phone, your tablet, or whatever, and be overwhelmed by all of the stories of darkness in this world. It's easy to be overwhelmed by stories about terrorism, or sex trafficking, or systemic racism, or mass shootings, or child poverty, or the opioid epidemic, and I could keep on going. It's easy to see these stories and just quit caring, because these stories, they just keep coming. No matter what we or anyone else try to do, they just keep coming. But here's what we can't forget. Every one of these stories involves real people. People who are just like us. Now that's what Pharaoh had forgotten about the people of Israel. The people of Israel, for him, they were nothing more than free labor. They weren't people anymore, so his heart was hardened to them. He didn't care that they had wives or husbands. He didn't care that they had mothers or fathers, that they had sons or daughters. He didn't care. All he cared about was getting his next project built. The people of Israel were a means to an end, so it was easy for his heart to be hardened by them. But God, God knew that every one of those people in Israel were people that were created in his image. God knew that every one of those people in Israel were embedded, imbued with, with his worthiness, with his love. They were created in his image, and because of that, they have infinite value and worth. And when we look at all of the darkness in our world, it's easy for us to see it as just a story. To think of these things happening to characters that are out there in some fictitious world miles away. It's harder to remember that every one of these people, the seven people that were killed, the 25 people that were injured, were real people with husbands and wives, with mothers and fathers, with sons and daughters, with friends that cared about them. It's hard to forget. Hard to forget. But sometimes we try to. Sometimes we think that these people aren't real. But this story, this story of workers at a Chick-fil-A, remind us of how real these people were. At the end of the day, those first responders who came and brought an end to that deadly shooting were just hungry. They were real people who literally needed to be fed. So that's what these employees were able to do, to help real people going through real problems. That's how we should be too. That's how we should be too. Our hearts should break for every person who's hurting. Our hearts should break for every person who is struggling. Our hearts should break for everyone who is facing darkness in this world and in their lives. And when our hearts are broken by this, well, we're going to respond the same way that the hymn we're going to close this morning talks about. When our hearts are broken for a world in need, we'll feed the mouths that hunger and we'll soothe the wounds that bleed. We'll give that cup of water and the loaf of bread. We'll be the hands of Jesus serving in his stead. 
So let your heart be broken. Let your heart be broken by a world that is in need. Let your heart be broken by people who are hurting. And then find something that you can do to shine a little bit of light into that darkness. Because it's true. Sometimes something as small as a chicken sandwich brings light into this world. And if light can be brought into this world by a chicken sandwich, then there is something that you can do to let your light shine too. So let your hearts be broken. Do what you can to shine your light. Let's pray together. God, as we come together in this time of prayer, you know that this world is filled with darkness. And sometimes there's just so much darkness that we go numb to it. We go numb to, uh, to another story about people who are suffering. But God, let us never forget that all of these stories involve real people. Real people that you created, real people that you love. So let us love them too. Let us have our hearts broken by all of this pain and suffering in this world the same way that your heart is broken by it. And let us be your hands. Let us be your feet. Let us serve this world. Let us do our part to shine your light into the darkness. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, it's Adam again, and thank you for listening to this episode of our sermon podcast. And I hope that you've been encouraged to face the darkness in our world and in your life the same way that God does, with a broken heart for the people that are involved. Now, in our next episode, we're going to continue to talk about what we can do to face the darkness in our world and in our lives. And specifically, we're going to think about how we, as followers of God and followers of Jesus, can face this darkness in a different way than the world around us. That episode will drop next Tuesday, and if you subscribe to our podcast, it'll be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app. And before I go, I just want to remind you that we are not supposed to only be hearers of this word. We're also supposed to be doers of it. So let your heart be broken this week for the people who are suffering in the darkness in this world and find a way that you can let your light shine into their lives. As always, I hope you have a great week, and we'll see you back here for another episode next Tuesday.